ensure that the agreement is kept. Hallelujah. Hmm? They are invoking the assistance of a superpower. Because Laban told Distinguishes contract, uh, sorry, covenants from other agreements that people may enter into is there's this factor of a higher power that is invoked. Okay? And that higher power, each party may invoke their own, alright, their own higher power that they believe in. Okay? Or both parties may both invoke the same power. For example, when Israel, in the book of Joshua, we spoke about this, I think last week or two weeks ago, when they went and entered into a covenant with the people of Gibeon, the Bible says that the reason why they could not break the covenant was because they swore before the Lord. Hallelujah. They swore before the Lord. So, years, maybe centuries later, when King Saul broke that covenant, right? Nobody had to really do anything. God himself began to deal with the matter. And the reason was that they had invoked him when they entered into that covenant. They had invoked his involvement. Hallelujah. So there is a superiority that covenant has have in their power because the enforcers of the covenant are not mere human beings who, when they die, are gone. All right? But there, there are spirit beings that people call upon. All right? To make sure that the covenant lasts. Now, let's look at. of Hebrews, we see something as well. Hebrews chapter 6, from verse 13. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he 
church, writing that God made a commitment to Abraham, all right, and he wanted to swear that this thing I'm saying, I will make sure I do it. tells us what the commitment was. Verse 14. Saying, surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. And verse 16 now explains the significance of the swearing. He says, for men verily swear by the greater Right? That's what we're just talking about. There's a higher power that people invoke. Alright? This men swear by something greater than men. Okay? And an oath. Alright? The oath is that you have made, you have sworn. An oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Alright? Or dispute. So what the Bible is saying in verse 16 is that human beings, we swear by some power greater than us. And when we do that, it, it, it puts everything to rest. Because when we do that, everybody knows, knows that we are serious. The matter is settled. Alright? So the Bible is saying that in human affairs, the thing that settles disputes is when human beings fall on a higher power. Alright? Once that comes in, it, it brings calm. serious about, about keeping that commitment and is going to follow through. Hallelujah. Verse 17. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by another. So he says that God willing to show the heirs of promise. Right? So, so beyond Abraham says that God made the commitment to Abraham. But in order to assure Abraham's children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and all these people who come for him, that the thing that he said, he will never change his mind. The Bible says that in order to give that assurance, he swore. Alright? And because he couldn't find anybody greater than himself, he swore by himself. Hallelujah. Is the limit. Hallelujah. Is that is that okay? Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. I think I want to go because the Bible is talking about the commitment. So the point I want us to see here is that the um, the issue of the swearing or the oath. through which the human being involved invokes the higher power, all right, to come and be a part of this 
question to search for help. Because that being that the human being was called upon is not a man or a woman who will die at any moment. Okay? But a spirit being who will continue to be there even after the original person who made the covenant has died and gone. That spirit being will still be there to, to come and check whether the covenant is being adhered to. Okay? So that puts a covenant in a class by itself. a covenant that either you or I enter into or one of our ancestors enter into or what we are responsible to begin to um, affect us negatively all right, or to cause trouble for us or to cause evil to come into our lives all right? what is it that we do? I want to look at a few things all right, um, in, that, in that regard the first no one, okay, who is continue to maintain 
right? Let's say that uh, uh, there's a shrine in your family. Okay? And then the fetish priest dies. And nobody can kill them. Okay? What has just happened is that there's no priest to maintain the sacrifices needed to maintain the altar properly. And that can begin to cause affliction to come on those who are affected by that shrine. Until you get yourself removed from the influence of that shrine, you can also become affected. Please, am I making, am I making sense? third reason is that once you enter into a covenant with another entity, that entity now has rights in your life. That's how covenants work. That's why when you marry somebody, now the person can... Listen, what you have belongs to the person. What the person has belongs to you. Married people, is that not true? says that even your body belongs to Emmanuel. Do you know that? Are you saying? Does she understand that? Huh? She understands. And she says that his body too belongs to you. It means that you can send him to go and fetch water in the night, cry if you want. Because the body must work for you. <laughs> Don't go and quote that to me when you get home. <laughs> so,
there is no priest or the priest is not doing his or her job. Okay? So, you will notice that um, in the nation of Israel, whenever the priest, whenever the priesthood was affected, it was a big issue. Okay? Because they understood what that would third reason is what? That the co- your covenant part- partner can claim, can make a claim. Right? And say that this thing you have, I want it. Alright? And you don't have a basis for saying no. Okay? So, these are just a few reasons why um, covenants can affect you. is that, okay, given all of this, given all of this, um, what must, what must we do in order to um, remove the power of the covenant in our lives? The first thing is that we should, we must, we, 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 have, we have to recognize that the nature of the covenant is that it's a lasting thing. Alright? It's a lasting thing. So, you have done is that you have now entered into a covenant with Christ. Alright? And, and, and so any covenant that you are in with the enemies of Christ, who are the enemies of Christ? Any spirit that has not called Jesus as Lord is the enemy of Christ. Alright? So any spirit, alright? Any spirit the spirits that we call demons, the spirits behind the, the idols that uh, our generations worship, and all, all those spirits, they're all included in the category I'm talking about, right? So you have now joined yourself to Christ, and you are, you are now being seen as a covenant breaker. Do you understand? Because any spirit that you're in, Jesus Christ, the one they hate the most. Alright? Because the, the way covenants work is that if I'm in covenant with you, my enemy cannot be your friend. Do you understand? If I'm in covenant with you, and my enemy comes to attack me, I express you I expect you to join me to fight my enemy. So your enemy cannot be your friend. If my enemy becomes your friend, it will cause problems for you. So if I see that you are befriending my enemy, that one alone is a sign that you are not you are being unfaithful. 
that make sense? Okay, so you have joined yourself to Christ and now you are seen as a covenant breaker. Right? And every covenant covenant breaking has its penalties. Alright? Because for those of you who came late, we were talking about how in the covenant the two parties swear. over the oath they have sworn and to afflict the unfaithful party, the one who becomes unfaithful. So Levan told Jacob in, in Genesis chapter 1 that the Lord will watch you when you grow. I will not be there, but the Lord will watch you. So be careful. Alright? Mm-hmm. So So, once you enter that position, you need to have the understanding that those penalties can begin to take effect against you. Alright? If you are not seeing any evidence that those penalties are taking effect against you, it is because, you see, spiritual law and Space and time, the effect of things that happen in the spirit realm and their expression in our lives. It is not, it is, there is no linear relationship. It is not that, uh, uh, you know, uh, a spirit can do something to you and it will not show today. physical, if I slap you, you will feel it right now. If I slap you very hard, it may, you may have a cut in your mouth or your tooth will come out. Alright? If a spirit slaps you, <laughs> you will not see the effect. You will not see the effect today. Alright? You may see the effect in 20 years time. <laughs> Alright? Because the the translation of spiritual things into this dimension we are in, where we operate in space and time, it is not um, how do I express this? It's not a direct uh, uh, relationship. You see? So, the Holy Spirit can warn you, for example, that this person, or they've done this to you, alright, and, and you don't see any evidence of it, so you may not pay attention, alright, and instead of trying to deal with it, you might think that, oh, but I don't see anything, things are, it's even now my business is growing, and the Lord is showing that they have killed your business, but the sales are growing. So you may not appreciate or think that anything can happen. You may just go on with life as usual until the day that that thing matures and and manifests. Hallelujah. Alright? Just like God said to Abraham 
a father of any nation have I made you? At that time, he didn't have a child. <laughs> Alright? But when God said, I have made you, he was not lying. So, the, the, the manifestation of a spiritual thing in this realm, it's not, it, the, 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 they don't follow Newton's laws. It's not, it's not the same as our physical cosmos. We are in, we're living a direct correspondence. Okay? So, the fact that you have not seen an effect yet does not mean that there's no effect. So when, when you have understanding, now your responsibility is to prevent the effect from manifesting. Okay? Because, you see, when things actually manifest, we typically find it more difficult say that there is no other foundation that anyone can lay than that which is already laid by Jesus Christ. That means that the ground and the basis upon which every deliverance and salvation is connected is what Jesus has done for you. So, repentance activates 
Bible says, good for you. Hallelujah. To now save you from the effect. You see, when we learned about salvation, we learned that salvation is multidimensional. Okay? It is not only being saved from sin in the power of the devil, but also the effects and the consequences. Is that true? Did we learn that? Alright? So, repentance, why does repentance, as the Bible says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. The second reason why repentance is very powerful is because we serve the God of mercy. And he said, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. And so he can choose to have mercy whenever he wants. Hallelujah. Alright? And sometimes it is just his mercy that you need. Because sometimes you don't even know what to do.
saw that um, <coughs> one of the first things that happened was that So, so the, the two parties have agreed to enter into a covenant, right? And uh, so there are a number of there are a number of elements that we see in the story. Okay, one is the altar or the altars that were raised. All right, one is the oath. Okay, that is swore. Bueno, 
present themselves before God. <coughs> okay? So God is the uh, higher power that they are calling up upon. It's a higher power that both of them believe in and, and subject themselves to. Okay? So when they make the vows, alright, so first of all, they come to the place where we make offerings to God. Hallelujah. Alright? Okay? us at the altar, the place where we offer, make offerings to God, and then they make their vows, alright, so they swear to each other, okay, before God, alright, it is one of the reasons why the Bible, the Bible, God, a number of places talks about how he will deal with men who don't treat the wife of their youth. Because the wife of your youth is the one that you said sweet things into her ears. So when you go and marry at 75, you are, going, you are not going to boss that old lady. You, you, you just need a, somebody to keep you company so you don't die of loneliness. But the things that this man said to this woman, some of which I heard, whether in the spirit or in the flesh, I cannot tell you. It was enough to make her fly. Hallelujah. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> all that was part of your vows. Even though you didn't say all of those things here, they were all part of your vows to him. You understand? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then the sacrifice. So, There are two dimensions to this in the marriage process. The first is that over here they commit each commits he commits his, himself and his life to her. Right? So he offers himself to her forever until death. And she does the same. Alright? And the second part is that the sex consummation of sexual uh, union, consummation of the marriage through sexual union, alright, where by God's design she's supposed to be a virgin, alright, and then when at the beginning I explained that the Hebrew of a covenant means cutting. So he's supposed to go and cut something. True? Uh-huh. And Bible says that the marriage bed is sacred because it is an other altar. That is why it is sacred. Hallelujah. You want to say something? Yeah. 
So he goes to cut on another altar. Hallelujah. Alright. And blood is produced, which then forms the blood covenant. Alright. Which is saying that if I break the covenant, may I lose my life. <laughs> Christians, <laughs> for, <laughs> for us Christians, <laughs> we have communion, right? We have communion, which is also a covenantal act, okay? Because I explained that the eating together on the heap of stones was a covenantal act, okay? So, the eating together, there's something about eating in God's presence, okay? Which is worship, and it's also an act of covenant. That's why in the in the in the temple worship, they will bring the meat and eat it, and then God says they should enjoy it in His presence. Hallelujah! There's something about that that we can't explain now. All right. So those are some of the parallels that exist between what we read and the marriage.
with this God who is around and can follow you everywhere. Okay? So you decided, okay, now let's go to the altar. Let's go before the altar of the God that happened that we both serve. Because he will meet us at swearing an oath. And, and some of the things you will say that with all my earthly good, I did well. He said that of all the women and the men I've seen, I've chosen only you. Until death do us part. Now, many times when we are making this statement, we think it's just words that has been written for us and we are reciting without really knowing what's going on. Like the guy who was making the vows and then his phone started ringing and told the pastor that just a minute. And then he picked the phone and said, yeah, Charlie, where are you? Where are you? The David has started it. This is not a governance story. Real thing. But it's happy. <laughs> so, Laban said that, look, I will not be there. But when you go and maltreat my daughter, and it was part of the court. 
terms of the covenant. So when you marry another man, another woman, other than this, the God, the altar, the heap of stones is a watchtower. It means our body will be dissipated. They will be elevated and they will see everything. And they will watch over this marriage. That's, that's what they are saying. And one of the things that until death do us part, you will see all these things. And God watches over it. Do you understand? And then, usually we also come before, even before the, we, we, we come before an altar that we have been making sacrifices, a place where we have been giving offerings. And not only offerings, because offerings are sacrifices, and that's why it's an offering. Where we pray, where we, we, we call on God, we worship, we praise Him. They are all sacrifices. So we, we've come to a place where we've been making sacrifices and all that. Okay? And when you, you, you look at the Hebrew word, First one, the Eve, the Dean, has to do with a family. So, you see, a family is something that is joined together, connected together. So, what you are saying now, you, you are going to be connected together. So, Laban was reminding, uh, what is his name? Jacob, the Lord. We are now a family. Even though I may not be with taking my daughters and all that. In this covenant we are cutting, we are saying that we are a family. That is why when one is in trouble, the other, because you are family, a family shares a common blood. Do you understand? From the same womb. That's the word brethren. So that's the deed. Family. Then relationship, this marriage that it's, of all the things, this, this is the top priority. Okay. And you bring it before the God and watch it. Okay. Then, there is a why in it which has to do with the, a yard. Yard has to do the hand. It means you are going to work on it. It, it involves the relationship, working the content of the covenant. And then the team, 
to the very end. Because that's the last half of it. The very end. That's why we say that until death do us part. Okay? So this thing is to the very end. It also means These are some of the things that go in the Word of God. Covenant 8, and we have also seen what happens when we break covenant. But we do that because sometimes we really don't understand. You know, but we have been saying that before you join a system, make sure you understand the system before you join. So that when you join, the system can keep working for you. We, we understand. So, um, for those of us who are married, um, let this understanding help in your marriage. Even for those of us who are not married and want to marry, may this thing your decisions and go through the process. But not only that, the fact that we are covenant children, we are in a covenant, you see, the covenant that we are part of, the, actually the covenant, the Christian covenant, if we are want to put it that way, is between Christ and God. It's different from the Abrahamic covenant and all those ones. Because those ones, some of the parties couldn't keep the covenant. You understand? So he had to make it now come to a place where he would cut it between two parties who are not covenant breakers. So Christ is not a covenant breaker and, the, and God is not a covenant breaker. So that's why the new testament, the new covenant, or the new is is the is the strongest of all covenants. Because we bring Christ into our life and we are in him, now we become part of the covenant. The same way it was Jacob and uh, what is his name? Laban who cut it. But the people who are connected to Laban became part of the covenant. And the people who are also of the household of Jacob became part of the covenant between Jacob and So, we are covenant people. And so, may this teaching help us. And you see, one of the, the last thing I want to say, which is a says in Judges, I think Judges chapter 3 or 4, that when Moses and all those people died, now there was nobody who really understood God. They had not 
raised children. They've not raised generations that understood. So there were no priests, kind of, who were teaching the household of Israel the covenant that they are God had with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, who were their forebears. And so they were not respecting the tenants or the, the content of the covenant. And then the covenant began to break against them. Then he also mentioned when we repent. Repentance is what he, he I think was it last week he said, when Elijah had to turn the heart of Israel back to God. That is repentance. Because they had forsaken the covenant, they had forsaken God. And when they came back, that, 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 that is repentance. So a turn around back to a covenant people who walk like priests and honor the covenant. Okay? So repentance is not just some crying and some emotional thing and you say, that, Lord, forgive me. And then it's like, saying sorry, you haven't met the conditions. Repentance is when you turn back and begin to walk in the covenant. Thank you, Father. Hands up. Oh, sorry. I hear time is up. Any, any questions for Pastor? If there is no question, any question? You have brought this. You don't have a question. You don't have a question to bring. Pardon me. 